welcome back to part four of our eight-part series of the uh, Path to the Draft. Today is our final AFC division. We have the AFC West, uh, the Oakland Raiders, Los Angeles Chargers, Kansas City Chiefs, and Denver Broncos. Um, before we get into it, just a few quick news and notes. I know we haven't done much news and notes on these, but a couple of things that have happened uh, within the past couple of days. TJ Yeldon has signed a two-year deal with the Buffalo Bills. Uh, the Falcons defensive tackle Grady Jarrett signed his $15.2 million franchise tag. Uh, the Seahawks are drawing interest for Frank Clark. We could see him on the move come Thursday uh, at the draft. Other than that, um, everything else, pretty much teams are getting ready for the draft that starts this Thursday, uh, the first round, and it's going to be exciting. And there's some news that CBS Sports actually reported yesterday that the Cardinals may not be interested in Kyler Murray anymore. Um, so we're, we've been starting to see some mock drafts with Murray not going number one. And uh, me and Adam are actually going to be doing one of those uh, within the next day or two. Obviously, we only have about three more days until the draft, so we'll get one out for you guys shortly there. Uh, go through a quick one-round mock draft there and um, see what we could come up with. Uh, but for today's episode, let's get into uh, the AFC West and basically talk about the uh, what we've been talking about, who what, who needs the biggest haul from this draft to be successful, an ideal target and sleeper for each team, and each team's top three needs. Uh, so Adam, why don't you kick us off, start with whatever team you want, we'll go from there. Well, you know, I'll go with the Chargers just because I think this is the best team all around than uh, or in the in the West, Kansas City is close, but that defense needs work. But we're gonna go with uh, the Chargers, and I'm gonna go Philip Rivers for who needs the biggest offseason or the biggest draft. Just for some reason, is he's gonna be 38 before the season's over. He hasn't won a ring yet. The guy deserves a ring, and his time's ticking. I mean, he might play what maybe maybe two more seasons after this year. Uh, It'd be a shame if he never made it to the Super Bowl, never won a Super Bowl. Upgrading, you know, the interior offensive line would uh, greatly improve that offense just because they get Philip Philip Rivers more protection. And then uh, just continuing building. I mean, you know, there's not a lot of key positions that need to be upgraded, but keep finding studs. I mean, you got a first-round draft pick, use that, go find studs and – you know, get another superstar on that team and just somehow, some way, just get Rivers a ring. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Rivers, he's been one of my favorite quarterbacks since since he entered the league. I love watching him play. He's got a unique delivery, but just overall, he's just been just been fun to watch. I, I love watching gunslingers. It's just uh, him, Matt Stafford, just people that just love throwing the ball uh, and, and kind of just take the team under their own wings and, and just keep the chains moving. But the guy that I have is actually the owner, Dean Spanos. Um, basically, since moving to L.A., the Chargers have occupied the smallest um, stadium in the league by a, by a big margin, actually, by about 15,000, 20,000 less, uh, less than the next smallest. Uh, in 2020, they'll be moving into a multi-billion dollar stadium that they're going to be sharing with the Rams. Um, and the owner, Dean Spanos, he needs to basically build that Los Angeles Chargers fan base up so when they move from their 30K space to an 80K space that they're going to have, um, they need to be able to put some butts in some seats. Uh, now, they're not, they're not not necessarily selling out um, their current stadium right now, but again, it is only 30K people that they're putting in there. So it's in most of the stadiums now, and even, even the newer built ones, um, you're getting stadiums that hold over 100,000 uh, come special events and Super Bowls. The new L.A. stadium is going to hold over 100,000, but for regular Sundays, regular game days, they're going to be 80,000 80, and above. And they need to be able to – basically, you're splitting – and now L.A. is a huge city. We all know that. But basically, you're splitting – um, the LA fan base trying to split them into two and getting your getting your diehards and, and even the fair weather bandwagon fans trying to fill that stadium fifty thousand more than what you already than what you're putting in there right now. Um, so, I mean, he just needs to he basically needs to put a, a competitive team out there. Philip Rivers doesn't really have a lot of time left in this league, as you already mentioned. Um, he's 
they they need to bring a championship there, but just in general, they need to put a they need to put a successful team out there, a strong team on the field, just so they can continue to put butts in the seats even after Phil Rivers decides to hang them up. Yeah, that's it's been like they've always been since Rivers been there. They've they've always about or at least ninety percent of the time since Rivers been there, they've always been a good team, but they've never been. A great team, like they're a team that's expected to make the playoffs, but everybody knows that you know they're not going to be in the Super Bowl. They're not going to be in you know the AFC conference game. They just make the playoffs, and that's it. Yeah, I, I remember the one one year where they were the underdogs going into Indianapolis, and they actually uh, actually won that game. Um, Peyton Manning led Indianapolis Colts, but it's. Every year just seems to be a disappointment. Either they're um, just on the cusp of not even making the playoffs, or they make it and they're one and done. And it's just—it's a shame. I want to see Philip Rivers get one, um, but I mean, they—they have—they have the team to do it. They just—they just, they just got to get it done. Uh, who do you got as an ideal target? They're picking late in the first round. Who do you get? I'm taking. Well, there there's quite a few guys with them having a later pick in the draft that you'd aim for that actually be available for one of their main needs. And I'm going to go with Jerry Tillery, the defensive tackle for Notre Dame, from Notre Dame. Interior D-line might be their team's biggest need. Brandon Mabain is 34. Corey Legit hasn't been re-signed. And Darius Fillin left for Arizona. Tillery is a guy who can get, you know potentially be a double-digit sack guy in the NFL. He's a good tackler who... After a little bit of seasoning, he'll be a three-down defensive tackle. He has some off-the-field concerns due to some uh, Ndamukong Sue-like plays. There's uh, He stomped on one guy, a USC guy. I believe he he's kicked another guy in the head. I'm, if I'm not mistaken, that was two different incidents. But uh, So there's a little bit of worried right there, but you get a good – you know, you put him in a good locker room that might be able to – you know, that might be able to keep him on a straight path where you don't got to worry about him turning into like a Sioux where he's getting fined and suspended for these dirty hits. Cause you take away the off the field concerns. This guy is, he's legit. He can, he can go in there and having him next to uh, Joey Bosa for years, that, that would be, that would be, they'd be causing havoc for years. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I also have a defensive tackle, but I went with somebody different. I got Jeffrey Simmons out of Mississippi State. Uh, now, he he did suffer an ACL injury before um, the combine and all that, and the injury may possibly keep him out of the first half of the first round and even, even the first round altogether. But any team that basically takes a chance on him is getting a steal no matter how early he goes. Uh, a team like the Chargers, who already has a good defense to begin with, now they are a little weak in the middle, like you mentioned, but they can afford to take a player like Simmons with their late first-round pick and just sit on him this year and wait till he gets healthy. Uh, but, I mean, could you imagine a unit with Joey Bosa, Melvin Ingram, Denzel Perryman, Derwin James, and Jeffrey Simmons all in the same unit, uh, especially in a division that has Patrick Mahomes, uh, the the number one quarterback last year just be just be crazy adding him to now again he most likely isn't going to be playing in 2019 and if he does it's going to be late in the season but just put him on the shelf let him rest um and have him ready for 2020 and, and to kind of just open up that 2020 season in that uh before mentioned new stadium uh in la yeah and i like that because if they pick him at the end of the first round you get that fifth year option so you would still get four full years and potentially four or five games this season too. So that'd be great, but definitely I, you know, they need to get D line help, you know, in the, uh, in, you know, defensive tackle spots, you know, to help Bosa help Ingram. So they stop being double teamed. Um, but for my sleeper pick, I have them thinking past rivers and this is the only guy from the university of Buffalo that we haven't talked about. And that's Tyree Jackson. I mentioned earlier that Rivers probably only has maybe two seasons left after this, maybe this season plus one more. We're not too sure, but the the Chargers currently don't have a a backup plan if Rivers were to just hang up, you know, hang up his cleats. So I haven't taken Jackson. Jackson has some major tools to work with to potentially be a successful NFL quarterback and he is a project. There's no denying that. There are some things he really needs to work on. 
that are but the things he needs to work on is better for him to work on off the field or off of a live game situations and stuff have him learn it in practice they can do you know field or the um excuse me los angeles they can do that for him they know unless there's something bizarre that happens tyree jackson won't take the field this year if he goes to los angeles you know he can he, there's a good head coach he can learn from and your your leader is philip rivers a guy that's stuck around for many years He's had great success in the regular season. He just has, you know, has to be able to win it all. But that's a good guy to learn from. You know, there's some things going around right now. You know, Tyree could potentially, you know, there are rumored to be some teams that are high on him where he could potentially be a third-round pick. But there's an also a very big chance the Chargers can go and snag him in the fifth round and potentially get their backup quarterback or their potential future starting quarterback in, you know, on the third day of the draft, which any team that can do that, that's that's huge because that means you you don't really have to go step into a rebuild. Yeah, I also have Tyree Jackson. Um, you've touched on a lot of the things that I wanted to say. I'll I'll just say what I have written down here and uh, might be a little bit repetitive, but um, yeah, we got the same person here. Uh, but basically, I'm not really sure that it constitutes as a sleeper. Um, I've actually seen him creeping into the second round, late second round. You you mentioned third. I've I've seen him creeping into the second. So, uh, but an ideal landing spot for Jackson is a team that has an established quarterback that has a couple years left and that could kind of guide him and train him for the next level. And that's exactly what a Phil Rivers is. Uh, Los Angeles is one of those few teams. Um, I mean, New England's one of those few teams. Pittsburgh's one of those few teams. Basically, these future Hall of Fame quarterback teams that can kind of just guide this young guy. Because uh, Tyree does have all the physical tools that you want in an NFL QB. But like you said, he, he is a raw talent. Um, Rivers would be a perfect teacher for him while, while not necessarily threatening his job uh, or having the coaches feel pressured to making a quarterback change from the fans. Uh, they're not going to want to, they're not going to call for Philip Rivers to be benched for somebody like Tyree Jackson. So it's just, it's just a perfect fit. So because he's not, just the pressure is not on him. Uh, and who knows, maybe one day Tyree could take over the reins when Rivers finally does decide to hang him up and go hang out with his baseball team full of kids. <laughs> Um, top three needs that I got, uh, I touched on one defensive tackle. Um, I got offensive line kind of got to protect your quarterback, whether it's rivers or whoever the future is and then future quarterback. So, I mean, there's not a lot of needs on this team could bulk up that defense a little bit, maybe find another pass catcher for Phil rivers aside from uh, Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. But number three, I think importantly is because of rivers age, I would say the future quarterback. Yeah, and, uh, and I agree with all those. I have defensive tackle being their number one need. Uh, I also have interior offensive line, specifically, or actually, not even center, it is guard. They did get Forrest Lamp and Dan Freeney the last couple years in the second day of the draft, but they don't look like they're going to be future stars. They look like they'll be serviceable, but uh, they need – if if Rivers can't win with the team he has now, which has good talent all the way around, you need to start upgrading where you're getting elite talent and maybe something happened. And then I haven't taken linebacker. Um, they do have Denzel Perryman. They did sign Thomas Davis from the Panthers. But Thomas is older. It's a two-year deal, which I think you go get a linebacker in the middle rounds to have basically Thomas groom him. You know, Thomas Davis is – a leader, a – I think he was a huge benefit to Luke Keekley's career. And, uh, you know, they can do that now. They can go you – know, the Chargers can do that. Go find that stud superstar linebacker or, you know, in the middle parts of the draft or maybe even day two of the draft and just let him, you know, give Thomas Davis some time off of his feet, you know, put him in where he's still getting meaningful snaps but uh, isn't getting thrust in that starting workload. Yeah, all all great – positions again uh they are it's not really a lot of needs they they're the one of the few teams in this draft that can draft for best player available maybe one of those positions or a couple of those positions would be considered an upgrade um depending on what they decide to do but they don't i mean the team is good enough to compete right now um and 
competing with our next team that we're going to talk about, the Kansas City Chiefs, who did happen to win the West last year, and they were exciting to watch. A lot of their games were on national television and on TV with Patrick Mahomes and, and his, his 50 touchdowns and just putting a lot of points up on the board. I remember that Monday Nighter versus the Rams. Um, it was just one of the best games I've seen all season. Um, but, I mean, that's not – I'm pretty sure that's not how this guy wants to play. And uh, he's the new defensive coordinator, Steve Spagnolo. He's my guy. Um, I've mentioned this while doing a couple Chiefs write-ups before for our fret page. I've mentioned this on an earlier podcast. We were talking about the Chiefs a little bit, and I'll mention it again. The Chiefs defense last year was atrocious. Uh, in five losses last year, four of them in the regular season and then the one in the playoffs uh, to the eventual Super Bowl champions, the Chiefs have allowed total points respectively of 43 54 in that Rams game 29 to the Chargers 38 and then 37 again to the Patriots uh that basically prompted the front office to let defensive coordinator Bob Sutton go and bring in Steve Spagnuolo who is he's a defensive guru um definitely has had some really good defenses in his past on his resume uh the draft basically it needs to be defense heavy for the Chiefs they've lost D Ford They've lost Eric Berry. They've lost Justin Houston. Three household names, three names that any casual football fan would would know. Just just uh, you mentioned you mentioned two of those names, and they're going to know exactly where they came from. Maybe D Ford's the wild card, but you say Eric Berry and you say Justin Houston, you'll know that they they're from the Chiefs, and and those three are gone now. Uh, they did bring in Honey Badger, and they did bring in uh, I don't know if I'm saying his name right, but Ogba in a trade from Cleveland. Um, They've been brought in, but they, they need a lot more work to do and to make it past the Patriots uh, or or any team. I mean, you could score a lot of points, but you have to also stop the you have to stop the ball too. Yeah, and I basically have almost identical thing, but I went the defensive unit as a whole, just for some reason. Is if anything's going to stop Kansas City from winning a Super Bowl, it's going to be the defensive unit. So I mean, I you know my no, you described him as atrocious. And it's funny because I put what's the one word to describe Kansas City's defense? I put atrocious. Uh, the Chiefs averaged thirty four point eight points per game, yet they lost five games. I mean, when you're scoring five touchdowns basically per game, and you're you're still losing. I mean, and, and there's games that you know, as you said, they're they're scoring you know like forty points, and I think two of those games, and they lost. Um, and I put, how would they get past the Patriots if they can't stop, you know, if they can't stop anybody? And the thing about their defense is they gave up way too many points and way too much yardage. They could barely stop any offense. I mean, even the bottle-of-the-barrel offenses, it seemed like they were having trouble stopping them. Uh, and it's by far Kansas City's a Chili's heel, and it needs to be fixed before they become a legitimate contender. They only have, you can't even say, a handful of building blocks on that defense. So this draft is going to be defensive heavy. And if Kansas City is scoring 30 points again, 30-plus points, and they're still losing, you know, you know, losing a handful of games, especially games where they're losing in legit shootouts. Like, we could talk about shootouts being 30-point games, high 30-point games. They're losing games where they're scoring 40 points. I don't think management, I don't think – the offense is going to deal with that again. I mean, because you got to think the, these offensive players, Patrick Mahomes, you know, Tyreek Hill, they're, you know, Travis Kelsey, they're not going to be happy if they're, they're doing, you know, they're basically busting their asses and yet the defense is blowing leads. No, not at all. Uh, which leads us into the ideal target. I'd imagine both of us have defensive players here. It's, it basically just comes down to a matter of what you want to attack first. Um, I got, Byron Murphy, cornerback out of University of Washington. Uh, I'm going to give you a couple, couple quarterback to wide receiver combinations here that they have in the division. Uh, basically, they play these teams twice a year. They they potentially could be lethal combinations. Even the third one that I mentioned, but you got Philip Rivers, the Keenan Allen, you got Derek Carr, Antonio Brown, even uh, Denver's new quarterback Joe Flacco to Emmanuel Sanders. Um, I mean, you got to be able to stop these guys. 
And so it, it starts with starts with your cornerback. Obviously, you need you need the help up front on the defensive line getting to the quarterback. You need the linebackers to kind of spy on the quarterback. But you also you got to have the cornerback too to kind of shut down those wide receivers. So um, with their another late first round pick, I think they pick right after the Chargers do. Uh, Greedy Williams is probably going to be gone. I know we talked about him to Pittsburgh. Um, he's been going early to mid-20s, so I don't know if he's going to be there, but Byron Murphy or even like a DeAndre Baker out of Georgia should be there when the Chiefs are on the clock. Uh, they did lose cornerback Steven Nelson. He went to Pittsburgh, and I mean, it's just a huge hole to fill. It's, it's one of the it's one of the weakest units in the entire league right now. Um, as a as a whole secondary, I mean, the name of Tyron Matthew kind of helps, helps him out just overall, but just I mean, it's not, it's not exciting. They're, they they could get burned by guys like Tyrell Williams and, and Mike Williams in that division. And uh, just any any defensive spot that they pick here is going to be an upgrade. Um, I think cornerback is one of the biggest ways they need to go, though. Yeah, and you said it. It's basically ideal targets, defensive player. You just pick where you know. I'm glad you took someone in the secondary because I took someone – in the front seven, I went Dexter Lawrence, the defensive tackle from Clemson. Lawrence comes with some off-the-field concerns, but you can't deny his talent. He has a great motor and can chase down opposing running backs. He's a true nose tackle, and he, he stuffs to run. He doesn't let run, uh, running backs break away from him. If he gets his hand on you and you're running through that line, you're not getting away from him. He is taking you down. He's When it comes to the defensive line, he's probably one of the most – sure as things as a tackler um but like i said there is the only reason why he's not being a top or he's being not being discussed as a top 15 pick right now is due to the off uh, off the field concerns he was suspended uh the end of the season i think he missed the last two games i believe plus he missed the national championship game but if, if he can clean up them off the field concerns he's gonna help kansas city tremendously um he, he's He's going to help him stop the run, and no one player can do it by himself. But he is going to. You put him on your line by himself, you know, with no other upgrades on that defensive line. You will see an improvement just from him alone because he's a, he's a, I think a more complete all around Haloti Nada. Yeah, I mean, again, any any position that they uh, go on the defensive side of the ball is going to be huge for him. Uh, Dexter Lawrence, obviously. Uh, Byron Murphy, just, I mean, anybody that falls there or is just available there, they, you pretty much have to go to Vegas and, and say that they're going defense. Cause I mean, if you, if they go offense then it's, I don't, I don't know what they're doing. Um, as far as a sleeper, I am going offense. Um, I'm going with a running back, Elijah Holyfield out of Georgia. Uh, Kareem Hunt is now with the Cleveland Browns and Damian Williams. He did have a pretty, pretty solid last half of the season last year. Uh, but he isn't the future there. Carlos Hyde was brought in this year, this offseason. He's also not the future. And unless Josh Jacobs is available when the Chiefs make their first selection, which is a high possibility, he could definitely be there. I really don't see them taking a running back early or anybody offensively early. Um, I wouldn't I wouldn't count Josh Jacobs out if he's there, but I, I'd assume that they'd go in defense early. But in grabbing a guy like Holyfield later on, he's been hovering around – the third to fifth rounds in a lot of mock drafts and and they don't have a fourth round that tr that pick was actually traded to the Buffalo Bills so um and because they do pick late in 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 their rounds aside from any traded picks that they got they I would think that they probably have to get them with their third round pick um if they wanted to get a guy like Holyfield but they uh it, it's definitely somewhere that if they could get the hit on these first two um with defensive players in the first and the second round, I, I believe they have the Rams second round pick, which is also a late late pick. Then they could go into the third round, getting a getting the running back of the future. Yeah, it's funny because my sleeper picks are running back as well, but I went Ryquell Armstead, the running back from Temple. They need a, a running back after cutting Kareem Hunt. You know, uh, they signed Carlos Hyde, but my in my notes I put the same thing: Hyde isn't the future. Armstead is a really strong inside runner who is super powerful. That helps him break tackles as he's a guy that every play he always fights for that extra yard. And you, he really don't go down easy. I mean, 
you get them down by yourself, you you know you might as well chalk your day up to being a you know, lucky day. He's he isn't a complete back due to his non-existence in the past game. He you can't put him out there to help uh, help protect whatever quarterback or you know wherever team he's on the quarterback for some reasons he's 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 horrendous at blocking. Um, he's he, he basically stands there tries, but his even trying isn't really saying much because he's just, he's that bad. And then he really isn't that great of a pass catcher either. But you know they that's as long as you got a guy that can go and pound the rock and he's getting you tough yardage. I think he's going to be fantastic at the goal line. Uh, they can, you know Kansas City can go take him and you know, use whatever running backs are on the roster to be the pass catching backs or even get another one. But I'm saying he's getting some momentum, uh, some momentum too. People are starting to compare him to CJ Anderson, who I think is basically an ideal pairing uh, just for some reason is neither one of them offer too much in the pass game. But when you give them that ball in between, you know, the interior of that offensive line, they can really do some damage. And even though he did have some momentum going in, it's looking like he's going to go anywhere from between round four to six. And with them having later round picks, if, if he's there at the end of round four, end of round five, I think that's the perfect place to pick him. And he could turn into the worst case scenario. You use him when you're inside the five and he goes and becomes a touchdown scoring machine. Yeah, it's definitely a nice pick there. Um, I mean, it's funny because we both went running back here, but I'd imagine our top three needs are on the other side of the ball. Uh, my and our defensive line, cornerback and linebacker, put them in any order that you want, but that's pretty much where they need to go. Uh, who do you got to yours? Same thing, but like you said, put them in any order. I have inside linebacker as one, defensive line as two, and then corner at three. Okay, yeah, good. Um, yeah, I, I wouldn't imagine that we would have went would have went opposite directions there. It's just whatever order that we wanted to put them in. Um, why don't you kick us off with our third team, uh, Oakland or Denver? Who do you want to go next? I'm going to go Oakland just because they're, they're – who knows what Oakland's going to do. And if we can hit any of these picks, I mean, any of these ideal targets, any of these sleepers, I think that's going to be, you know, make us look good because there's they can do, go in so many different directions. We don't know what they're going to do. They, you know, they paid Carr a crap ton of money. Um, they said that, you know, he is their, their guy unless they – Unless there's a quarterback there that they said they feel is, you know, uh, has a better future than him, which isn't saying much. I mean, you go, you know, if, if you're so set on this guy being your franchise guy, there isn't another guy to replace him until that franchise guy retires. Um, so it's it's crazy. Uh, the guy who I think is needs the biggest draft haul is Mike Mayock, their newly named general manager. And I, it's it's not even that they have the three first round picks. It's not that he's the new general manager, and you know he needs to actually start helping this team rebuild because they did go out sign some guys. They did go out and get Antonio Brown via trade. But Mike Mayock, to basically like ninety nine percent of the people in the draft world, is basically a draft god, and expectations are going to be high from the get go. You know, and having the three round pick, the three first round picks, it does add on to the pressure. But uh, it, it's the name alone. You know, with his knowledge and so many needs on the roster, Mayak will be expected to not only nail these early picks in the first, you know, his first three first-rounders and even on the picks on the second day, but he's going to be expected to find some late-round uh, late gems due to his, you know, his tremendous, you know, uh, scouting ability. His job will be safe for a while. He'll have a couple seasons to mold the team into the way he wants to. But he'll still have a ton of pressure on him from the fans. I'm sure Gruden will uh, be in his ear quite a bit just for the simple reason is I think if anybody lets go first, which I don't see either thing happening within the next two, three years, maybe a little bit after, I think the first guy to be gone out of that situation will be Gruden. So I can I can just picture Gruden be barking in his ear the whole draft weekend. Yeah, and I got Mayock too. And honestly, how can you not? Um, this is – it's – it's an exciting team out in Oakland, um, but basically he's their new GM, long-time NFL analysis and guy that we've 
me and you have personally enjoyed breaking down the draft uh, and reading his mock drafts every every Friday when he does the uh, or not every Friday, but reading his uh, his reviews on the on the first round of the draft every Friday and also reading his mocks leading up to the draft uh, the past few years is now the man in charge in Oakland. Uh, we already know that he knows his prospects. Um, as you mentioned, he's going to be he's most likely going to find some late round gems. Um, but can he do the other stuff that a GM needs to do and basically put a complete team together on the field? Uh, one of his first orders of business was obviously trading for wide receiver Antonio Brown. So he is off to a good start. Uh, he got him for a third and a fifth. That's, I mean, new GM coming in there, getting that name, that type of player for for a third and a fifth rounder. That That's awesome. Uh, I'm not saying that anyone could break down a draft and guess where players are going to get drafted, but Mayock is, he's, he's done an excellent job of that. There's just more to the GM side and we'll just have to see if, if he's up to that challenge. Yeah. And another thing that's been interesting to see is every year for probably the last, basically since I think he's just about started it is the night before the draft, every Wednesday he does a Mayock mock draft, which is on NFL network. It's a full one round mock. And you see him hitting these picks, like 90% of his his picks are correct. But that's also because with him not being a GM, he is getting inside information from other scouts. He's getting inside information from, you know, his peers that respect him and are willing to give him a little bit of that extra, that extra scoop. But now he has to do it on his own. There's no him going to team general managers and, well, you know, who are you guys looking at and who are you guys, you know, what is your board looking like? They're not telling him nothing now. There isn't no scouts that are in there that are, like, blabbing at the mouth. And I think that's one reason why – I don't want to get too off the top about our draft people. I think that's one reason why they sent their scouts home. Mayock knows, I'm sure better than anybody else, how these scouts for teams have huge mouths. They'll go and leak it to the media, leak it to somebody. That way the word get out there, and then they just – they feel good that they basically let the news loose. And – uh I think that played a huge part of it because Mayock knows. And Mayock doesn't want that happening because, you know, if they want to go get Murray, which I think that could potentially be it, if they go get Murray, they don't want any chance that anybody's going to trade up in front of them to go take Murray if the Cardinals pass. No, not at all. And that leads us into our ideal target. Uh, who do you have as the – who do you have as the very first first pick for uh, Mike Mayock as a GM? I'm going Josh, uh, Josh Allen, edge rusher from Kentucky. Uh, after foolishly trading away Khalil Mack last season to the Bears, they're in dire need of a pass rusher. <laughs> um, you can't win many games when you're not even touching the quarterback, and that's what happened to him. It's not that they weren't second. They weren't even touching the quarterback. And um, they, had a, they had the league worst – or uh, let me start that over they had a league low in sacks last year. Um, Khalil Mack basically matched them in sacks alone. Um, <coughs> Allen is a monster, and I'm sure he at the end of the season he will be discussed. He will be in the discussion of uh, defensive player of the year. He can pressure the quarterback, attack the running back, and he isn't a horrible guy to drop in coverage either when when you need him. Uh, he's it would be scary to think about if him and Mac were lined up, you know, across from each other, which we're probably never going to see, unfortunately. But Allen doesn't know, buddy. Allen can he can wreak havoc on his own, and I'm sure he, just him alone can probably he might be able to double the their sack total completely with him, having him on the team. Yeah, no doubt about that. I got uh, I got Quinn and Williams, the defensive tackle out of Alabama. Uh, Williams is arguably one of the best players in the entire draft. And with the whole, will Arizona take Murray? Will they trade out of the spot? Uh, whatever's going on down in Arizona, Williams possibly could fall to the fourth uh, when the Raiders do make their first of their three first-round selections. Uh, he Williams decided to leave college early, but he left on a high note. He recorded eight sacks and 19-and-a-half tackles for loss in his sophomore year last year. Uh, the Raiders really can't make a bad selection here. The class is just entirely too deep for them. And with Mayak at the helm, you just have a feeling that the entire Raiders class is just going to be amazing. It's um, I, I, I'm looking forward to it. I'm look. I'm honestly, I'm just 
I'm looking forward to how the Bills are drafting, but I'm I'm more so I'm looking forward to Friday and just reading all the articles and just kind of just breaking down the entire first round. And because Oakland has those three first round picks, I am I'm mostly going to be looking at them and just seeing how everything plays out in in Mayock's first draft. Uh, who do you got as the sleeper? I'm I'm going to go and you know grab you know help Mike Mayock grab that late round gem. I'm going to go Zach Gentry. The uh, tight end on Michigan, Gentry is a huge target at six foot seven, two hundred fifty pounds, and teams love his size. He's still learning the tight end position after he switched from um, quarterback late into his uh, his collegiate career. He's a true sleeper in this draft. He has a tremendous catch radius and seems naturally gifted at catching contested balls. Has good hands and can run decent routes for a bigger guy. If Carr stays quarterback he will absolutely love him in the red zone, and I'm guaranteeing he's going to find him. Uh, he might even lean on him a little bit more in the red zone or any quarterback that that ends up having um, Gentry at his disposal might lean towards him more than we see other rookies in the end zone just for some reason is of his skill set. His skill set is just with him only playing you know tight end for a few years, it's tremendous of how good he actually is. Um, he might not turn to an all-pro but he can certainly be a great option in the passing game. He has a great – my grade for him is round five, to potentially seven. Um, I don't see him going undrafted, so they will have to take him. If they do want him, they will have to take him before that seventh round for sure just to make sure they grab him. Yeah, my sleeper is going to turn some heads because it's actually a a sleeper of a sleeper. And what I mean by that is it's not a sleeper at all. It's Josh Jacobs, the running back out of Alabama. And I know you're probably thinking, how can a first-round talent be a sleeper? Uh, But as I already mentioned, the Raiders have three first-round picks. And with the recent trade of Jordan Howard to the Eagles from the Bears, that kind of opens up the possibility of Jacobs being available when Oakland makes that third first-round pick. They pick at 27th. Uh, It's unclear if Marshawn Lynch is going to come back or even if the Raiders want him back. And Oakland really hasn't addressed the running back position outside of Isaiah Crowell in free agency. So you have to think that that they're going to be going running back at some point. Um, just think that one of these A-plus defenders at fourth overall, a best player that fills a need at 24th overall, and then the top running back prospect at 27th overall, essentially their third pick is, is, is that running back, all just on the first day of the draft. Um, Thursday's it's shaping up to be like Christmas in Oakland and they're not even a favorite team of mine. I'm just, like I said, I'm looking forward to it. Um, but yeah, Josh Jacobs, I mean, if they could land Quinn Williams or Josh Allen and then whoever they decide to go get at number 24, whether that be one of these cornerbacks or, or somebody like that, and then get Josh Jacobs as well. That's, I mean, they won the draft just in the first round. Yeah. And <laughs> you have to think, the first round with them having three picks is basically like them having the first three rounds of the draft all on the first night. Yeah, it's, it's going to be fun. Uh, I'm looking forward to Thursday. The top three needs. Now, as, as much as we're hyping them up and talking about them, they, they are a team that does have a lot of needs. Um, I got edge rusher for them, cornerback, and uh, running back, obviously. The funny thing is I didn't – one of my top three needs isn't defensive tackle, but I mean, if Quinn Williams is there, you don't pass on him. Um, but he's so I got edge rusher, even though he's a defensive tackle, cornerback, and running back. Who do you got? Well, I, I have edge at number one. At two, I went tight end. They lost Jared Cook. I do feel like they're going to need to um, grab Carr, that tight end, to go with Antonio Brown, Tyrell Williams. And then I have corner. They've they got to stop guys in, in order to stay in games because right now they're not built to win shootouts. So getting a corner and the edge as their first and third need for me would uh, take some pressure off the offense, help them keep in games. And, man, this, that defense as a whole just needs to be upgraded. Yeah, no doubt. Like I said, it's going to be fun seeing what happens there. Uh, but we do have one more team. That's the Denver Broncos. Uh, we got a couple of Broncos Broncos fans in our groups, and so it's going to be exciting to talk about them and see what they actually because they haven't they haven't seen um, our writing on this. They haven't that we haven't really told them about this, so uh, this will all be a surprise to them, and hopefully they approve of it. So 
Uh, I'll kick us off. We got for my guy that needs the uh, best draft overhaul. It's the coach, new head coach, Vic uh, Fangio, uh, head coach. And I mentioned in another podcast, I I don't remember which one it was, but I, I don't really think it's fair to use a rookie head coach, but with, with him, Getting going into the situation that he's going into and having uh, the, the defense that they have, that's I think that he he's one of the he's one of the few rookie head coaches that, with a good draft overhaul, he could actually be successful in his first year, uh, despite despite picking tenth overall uh, or in the top ten. Well, they are tenth overall. Uh, the team really isn't too far off from competing. Uh, they needed a QB. They went out and got a QB. Uh, QB that I believe can can definitely do some damage with the right help around him. I'm not saying that that he's a Hall of Fame type QB, but he's definitely he's a game manager and with the with the defense that they have, the defense is good enough to win games single-handedly for him. Uh so all basically Flacco has to do is just basically take care of the ball. The defense will take care of their side. Flacco put up a few points here and there. And then I think that it might be a little too high on the Broncos, uh, but I honestly believe that a good draft this year, Flacco playing just just like a normal game manager, they could be competing with the Chiefs and the Chargers for the division. Yeah, and, and they're honestly, they're not that far off like everybody thinks. Uh, I have John Elway, though, being the guy that needs the best draft for some reason is. He's been striking out too many times with the quarterback. I mean, when it's come to drafting quarterbacks, signing quarterbacks, you know, you look at Paxton Lynch, a huge bust. You look at Case Keenum, that Case Keenum experience lasted one season. And it, clearly it wasn't good because it only lasted that, that, one, that one year. Uh, it's over. They acquired Joe Flacco. But due to his age and his injury history has been creeping up lately, He's just a stopgap, but he's also the, it's also the perfect opportunity for them to go and find that quarterback to groom behind Flacco for the you know couple years that they do have Flacco for, which I don't think is going to be long. I don't think Flacco will be playing too much longer, even though he is he isn't too old. But I do believe he's maybe a thirty four, but he needs to get the Broncos back to the playoffs. But he'll have to go through the Chiefs and Chargers, and that's no easy task. He's going to need a quarterback that can go in there and you know, put up points, quarterbacks that can put this team on their back and beat these top teams that are division, not only their division foes, but other quarterbacks are on their schedule. They are in the AFC. That's Brady. That's the Jets who's looking good. That's Buffalo who start, who, you know, they will be good in a couple of years. You still got the Steelers, which you have to respect. And then of all teams, Cleveland's coming up and Cleveland's ready to take the NFL basically by the balls and just run away with this hype train. So, Elway needs to go get something going before he starts falling. You know, he his team starts falling too far behind. They don't want to waste Von Miller. They don't want to uh, waste Bradley Chubb. And even though you know they do have a Super Bowl ring that was years ago, quite or not years, but it was quite a couple years ago, and they had Peyton Manning as quarterback, which just shows you that team is built with his defense to have a good quarterback, and results will follow. But I I also do expect some uh some a little bit of defensive help in this draft as well. That's that's a I'm glad that you said that because my ideal target is on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, I'm going with Devin White, linebacker out of LSU. Uh, and while I think that a target for Joe Flacco, like maybe a TJ Hawkinson, would work at tenth overall, uh, why not make your already strong defense even stronger? Uh, the top QB in the league last year, as I mentioned earlier, in your division is Patrick Mahomes. Uh, and unless Tampa, unless Tampa takes White at number five overall, or even Detroit at number eight, I can see White being available when the Broncos are on the clock. Uh, over the past two seasons, uh, White he's accumulated over 250 tackles and seven and a half sacks. So he just he's got a he's got a knack for the ball carrier. Um, you mentioned two of the guys, Von Miller and Bradley Chubb. It's just adding white to that defensive unit. It would just be just be lights out. I mean, again, they got to stop teams like uh, the Chiefs with Mahomes. They got to stop Brady and the Patriots. They got to stop Ben and the Steelers, uh, Rivers and the Chargers. I mean, that's two just in their own division uh, on top of those other two elite teams that are that are in the league. And, and you already mentioned Cleveland. So um, just, I mean, if you don't have the perfect fit, 
for an offensive weapon at number 10. Uh, I really don't think any of these receivers are, are, are worth that spot just yet. Um, and if Hawkinson's there, I mean, he's, he's another one, but if not, I mean, just, just continue to build that defense and just win games with, with the defensive side of the ball. Yeah. And I do like that pick. I'm, and you're hundred percent right. If the bucks don't take him, and if Detroit doesn't take him, there's a huge chance he's there at 10. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if they pulled the trigger. But I have him going and getting their quarterback. I'm going Drew Luck, QB out of Missouri. Luck has a fantastic arm. And honestly, the, the day he comes in on the team, and if he say he were to start from game, uh, game one, he'd be able to sling the ball with the best of them. I mean, he has that that huge arm, that, that di- dynamic arm that teams absolutely fall in love with. But even though I do have him being the ideal target, which is number 10 overall, I do think Locke is more of a project than what most people think. His mechanics need to be fixed so his accuracy issues can improve. Uh, he does get shaky under pressure and lacks pocket awareness. Denver does seem to like Drew Locke, though. We've been basically hearing that since – basically since the college season was over. And I honestly think with him learning from Flacco and Elway, who Elway and Drew Locker, at least personally to me, they're somewhat similar. So I think if anybody would have been able to advance or, uh, you know, to have uh, Drew Locker take a big step in his game, and would, would be Elway. And on top of that, they, you know, unless something were to happen to Flacco this year, you know, Drew Luck can ride the pine, you know, stay on the bench and – just learn, you know, improve. I think Elway, you know, and honestly, even though Elway's a general manager, like I said, they're similar. And I think, you know, Elway could help him with his mechanics, and they do have coaches that help him with mechanics. And then be able to help him, you know, with the, you know, not being shaky once he gets hit. Because if you go back and look, El, you know, when Locke gets hit, you know, you look at the next player too, it looks like he's a little shooken up. I think Elway could help him, you know, settle down after he takes a sack. I think, you know, him and Flacco, who Flacco, even though he isn't that athletic or really even that mobile, he does have good pocket awareness. And, he, you know, this will put Drew Locke in an ideal situation who I think even though he does have his flaws, you know, going in this situation could help those flaws and help him potentially be the quarterback that can, pair, you know, get paired with this defense and be a, a future a future force against the other up-and-coming AFC teams. Yeah, and for my sleeper, I went with a quarterback, um, and I'm probably going to sound a little repetitive, but I'm going with Will Greer here, and the reason I'm sounding repetitive is because it's basically the same reasons as I've said for him as a sleeper for New England um, when we did the AFC East podcast, and I just think it's another perfect fit. Uh, Flacco, he's not necessarily as old as Tom Brady, but he's kind of in the same situation as Tom Brady where he's... uh, He's not going to be around forever, and he's a quarterback that uh, can teach a guy like Will Greer, who isn't really start from day one NFL ready, um, and and kind of help him and kind of help him grow and become the next quarterback. Uh, he he does need some grooming, but he's he could definitely succeed with the defense that if he's thrown into the fire. Even if he is starting from day one, the only reason he'd be starting from day one would probably be from injury. But if he's thrown to the fire with this defense, he can definitely not really kill his confidence and, and have a semi-successful season. Um, kind of like how Lamar Jackson with Baltimore was last year. And then uh, I've seen quite a few mocks that, that do have a quarterback going to 10 overall uh, to the Broncos, but just... Um, I mean, one of them being Drew Locke, just like you mentioned, but I think that the Broncos, they can wait and they don't even necessarily have to take one this year. Uh, as, as you mentioned, Flacco is only 34 years old. So he's, he's not, I mean, he's old, but he's not that old, uh, but they can definitely, if they do take one this year, it doesn't have to be early. They can, they can wait and take like a Ryan Finley or a Will Greer later on in the draft. Yeah. And it's, it's funny that you pick a linebacker as their ideal target and their quarterback as a uh, sleeper. And I had the quarterback as ideal target because I got linebacker as a sleeper. And I'm going uh, Tavon Coney from Notre Dame. They're, they're one of their linebackers that are coming out this year. Uh, and, in, you know, inside linebacker for them is definitely a need. 
there's some more needs on the defensive side of the ball, which maybe you could argue might be a tad bit important. But I, I think linebackers, the ideal situation for them when it comes to getting a sleeper guy like Coney, who isn't getting too much exposure right now. You know, he's an right now he's an average linebacker at best, but there is upside there. And there's, I think, quite a bit of upside. He's a great tackler, but that is his only plus tool. His cover skills aren't bad by any means, but there's not necessarily to brag about. Um, he doesn't, you know, for him being a very instinctive linebacker, he doesn't trust his instincts, which is something you can learn in the NFL. And if he does that, which, it, it, you know, with him not trusting himself, it is hurting his play. But he can, he can learn to do that, and that's going to greatly improve him. Um, you know, he, he needs to play the game faster, too. Most of his flaws can be worked on. Um, you know, taking him in around, f- you know, the fourth or fifth round, that's where you want to find your your gems. That's where you want to find contributors, guys that can turn into spot starters, rotational guys, and, and maybe after a while be a starter. And that's that's what Coney is. Coney is a guy where you'll go, you know, you, you, you'll put him as – rotational guy if if you really need to start him you know spot start him and then once he gets some reps once he gets that confidence to trust what he does trust what he reads he could be a guy that uh he can be a guy that just really fit right into that defense and make that defense even more dominant yeah and it's we both mentioned linebacker somewhere along the way but i in my top three needs i don't have linebacker um, I have offensive line, uh, again, got to protect Flacco or whoever the future quarterback is here. Uh, tight end at number two. I know they went out and they drafted Jake Butt, um, and they they had that uh, tight end come on at the end of last year, but he's – they for the same reason that Oakland uh, needs a tight end because they lost Jared Cook. I mean, they really don't have anybody that scares them in the middle, and they they do need that safety blanket for for a guy like Joe Flacco because he's so he could hit somebody over the middle and, and kind of just move the chains. And last, I have uh, basically the same as what I had for the Chargers. I got future quarterback life after Joe Flacco, basically. Um, so offensive line, tight end, future quarterback. Yeah, and those I, I have. Number one, I have interior offensive line. I think they need help at uh, center in the guard position more than necessarily they need help at the the tackle positions. I have inside linebacker just because I feel no matter, you know, if you, you do have a Von Miller, a Bradley Chubb, but I think your, your on-field general should be the inside linebacker and that they're, they're lacking that. And then I have future quarterback too just because, you know, Flacco's – I think Flacco – you know, even at 34, I think he's one of the quarterbacks that he plays till 35, 36, and he hangs it up. You know, he does have a Super Bowl. He he has had success. So there really isn't too much to hang around for, you know, if his body's aching. You know, um, if I'm not mistaken, he did have some back issues. So if the body's aching too bad, you know, you got a Super Bowl ring, you hang it up. And then, you know, you don't got Blacko after that. You're you're basically at the uh, Paxton Lynch case, Keenum situation again, and they don't want that. No, not at all. Uh, so that pretty much, pretty much wraps up our AFC West, and now the whole AFC. Uh, we have the rest of the league. We got the NFC going on. We're gonna cram those in within the next couple of days. Get those out before Thursday. Um, might might drop one on Thursday during the day. Kind of get it before the draft starts. Um, but uh, so far, these are. These have been really fun getting to getting to talk about a lot of players here. Um, some that we are, some teams and needs we're going over that that we have the same guys and and, and talking about the same people. But for the most part, we are kind of uh, kind of separating. So it's 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 awesome just to basically not to not to brainstorm together because we don't really want to have. We don't want to have the same people for every single one, so um, I kind of do my thing. You kind of do your thing. That we're coming on this, coming on this show live and and going over our targets and and stuff like that. It's just pretty. It's pretty awesome. But I'm looking forward to Thursday. Uh, we got a lot of stuff coming up as far as the fantasy football fraternity page. We have um, our our page that's that's starting to come up. And I mean, you got any last words before we before we head out? Uh, no, th- this is fun, though. I mean, 
as you said, we don't compare notes. We don't, you know, basically get feedback from each other until we, we do this pod. And it's, it's amazing how we have some of these answers, which you might not really think are obvious answers. I mean, maybe if you're like a, a real fan of that team, um, like you are a Buffalo me of Detroit, but it's, it's interesting to see how we think alike on some of these uh, ideal guy, you know, ideal targets or guys that need the big, the big draft hauls. Um, Cause some of, you know, I think I got to go look back. I think it was one we did for the AFC North, which was kind of a sleeper, uh, a sleeper guy who needed the best draft. And then uh, one other thing is Kelly Stafford. She went in the surgery and came home. I think the maybe Easter morning, if I'm not mistaken, uh, she did have her, her surgery for the tumor in her head. It was originally supposed to take six hours, but it did take 12, but she was up, she walked around, she is starting life after, you know, surgery, which that is, you know, having a tumor or anything removed off of your, you know, in your brain is a huge situation. And it does, you know, change your life dramatic, uh, dramatically. So it seems like she is going to, you know, be all in well, which, you know, their time will tell, but so far so good. So I'm glad, you know, for the Staffords, you know, they have three little girls who need their mother, need their mother healthy. And, uh, it looks like it, everything's going to be good from here. So good luck, or, you know, best of luck that the uh, recovery process, which is going to be a while still, you know, hopefully that goes smooth. Uh, because like I said, they, I'm not saying it because I'm a Lions fan. They are a great family. They do so much. She, you know, she's one of the reasons why, the, which we were like really, I think one of the only teams that didn't have them, you know, they help the families at Christmas and they do a lot of good for the city of Detroit. So it's nice to see that, uh you know, all the prayers everybody did say for her, all the well wishes that she got, you know, turned into a positive outcome. Yeah, it's definitely good to hear. I know we wanted to mention, we wanted to mention her on an earlier podcast. Um, and it's, it ended up never not getting, uh, getting edited. So it, it's a shame that we didn't mention it before, but it's, it's nice to hear that she is back home and doing well. And, and I, I did read about that. I think you're right. It was the morning of Easter. Uh, yesterday morning so um it's it's nice to hear and, and hopefully all goes well for her and and that whole family just i mean any kind of surgery is scary it could be even the most minor surgery and and one little nick or something and and, and that could ruin everything so any surgery is scary i'm glad that everything went well and uh hopefully she's on the, the road to a, a full recovery man guys make sure that you know this is one of our shorter pods we had lately but uh Make sure you guys continue on sharing, subscribing to wherever you guys listen to your podcast at. Tell your friends. We, like I said, we're we're getting into the whole merch stuff now. Uh, we've given our our pod listeners a big uh, heads up on the the contest. I am going to be publishing probably by the time this pod is published. I will publish on the page to get some of the uh, some of the other guys that don't listen as much a heads up about the contest just to stir up some more noise and. Um, Big week ahead, guys. I mean, the draft, that's always fun, especially with news coming out now that after the last couple months, it seemed like Murray's going to be, you know, picking number one. Seemed like that might not be the case now, which I think that's just going to mess up the whole draft. I mean, I've basically been working on draft stuff with Murray locked in at number one, even though you necessarily shouldn't do that. That's what I've been doing, and uh, that's what a lot of people have been doing. So Thursday is going to be a fun night. Uh, you know, we're going to make sure this, we're going to discuss the draft heavily. You know, probably the next couple podcasts, maybe after the draft, and uh, it, it's going to be fun all the way around. It's a good time. You know, Jerry is starting to get into the draft more, so that's huge. Uh, and you know, this is this is just going to be better now that Jerry's getting into the draft a lot more than normal. You know, next year is going to be huge. I'm just thinking about next year with you know you doing the scouting now, me doing the scouting, and uh, man, it'd be nice if we got to do one of these things from the scouting combine. Yeah, that would be awesome. We got so as Adam said, we got a lot of uh we got quite a few shows coming up before before the draft actually and then we're gonna be doing a couple of shows. Well we're gonna be doing a lot more than a couple of shows, but just immediately after the draft we're gonna have a few shows. Uh we'll probably even before the draft is over, uh maybe this weekend we'll do a first round recap, go over that, uh and then sometime next week we'll talk about the whole draft as a whole um again we have the the nfc teams to talk about so those are going to be coming out within the next couple days and um so between 
now and Thursday. We're going to have those four podcasts coming out. We're going to try to sneak in, like I said, we're going to try to sneak in one more mock draft without Murray going number one, uh, including trades, try to make it as realistic as we can, um, go over that and, and hopefully have that out within the next day. Uh, that one will be a really super short pod, so record that one um, and get that draft going. And other than that, I mean, check out the Fantasy Football Fraternity page, check out our page, Great Lakes Football Talk, uh, check us out on all the all the podcast uh, apps, Google, Spotify, Anchor, all of them. Just check us out, um, and, and we look forward to seeing you guys again.